Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mills sideline left. Gets a screen from Dial. Wheels the top. Lobs it inside for Boris. The catch in the paint. The baby hook is good. From Patty Mills, Boris Dial. He's got the Baker's dozen, 13. It's locked on Jazz for the 4th of August. First in bench play. Fifth as starters. What do we have coming? Russell Westbrook re-signs in OKC. Huge move by the Thunder. We'll talk about that, plus a little Boris Diaw breakdown. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? Hope you're enjoying this August. Great weather for us locally here in Salt Lake or wherever you might be listening to the program. Glad to have you aboard. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you've subscribed to iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is, that is greatly uh, helpful, and anytime you can give us five stars, it's super as well. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and certainly glad to have you aboard on the program. There is a Locked on NBA up and out with the scout. Um, I'm Richard Nixon or Hillary Clinton today, depending on your point of view. There's a missing seven minutes of that show, um, and I have no idea what's happened. Uh, I, and I can't find my emails either. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I will try to figure out what's happened there and why uh, and see if I can update it a little bit. So if you see updated comes in and follow me on Twitter, I'll actually try to really specifically tell you. He's really dry and he's not a huge energy guy like well, like me, but he's hysterical if you listen closely, and he has huge takes. So uh, grab it. I think it's good. I hope you like it. Uh, Locked on NBA, or Locked on Podcast Network, uh, we have now debuted on the NFL side of things, the Eagles, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Saints, the Patriots, the Lions, uh, and Locked on NFL and Locked on Raiders. Locked on Bears is coming. Locked on Chiefs is coming. Hoping to have a Locked on Niners announcement for you, so football fans, uh, and tell your friends. Basketball's kicking the crap out of football right now, audience-wise, which is really interesting, so uh, throw that out there. Uh, Locked on Thunder, Fred Katz will have the uh, big story of the day with Russell Westbrook. You can get his take on all of that if you'd like to. Uh, so feel free to grab that. And uh, Chris Manning of Locked On Cavaliers has done a lot of really good uh, Olympic stuff if you're interested in that. So there's a lot of content out there if you'd like it. Let's start where we always do. That is our pins across the world. And you are welcome to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com with your pins across the world. I want to go old today. Uh, I have some new ones. I greatly appreciate it. I want to dig out and find... Uh, some new ones. We're going to go to, wow, uh, th- I know why I, I passed on this one during the season is because I love the passion here, but Spencer Barry wrote me a huge novel, um, and I 
I want to get to it now. We have a little bit more time. Uh, my name is Spencer Barry, and I'm a senior communication studies at USU up in Logan. My life's pretty busy, but I try to make sure I watch or listen to every game and listen to tip-off several times a week. I've been a fan of the team as long as I can remember. I lived and died with the Jazz in the playoffs when I was a kid. I remember winning a tape from a, my school with a song that was called something like The Mailman or He Delivers featuring Carl Malone. The song was terrible, but I listened to it endlessly because it alleged had Carl Malone saying, I'm the mailman over and over. I wished I knew uh, where the tape was. I looked for the song on the internet multiple times, but never seemed to find it. I know there's somebody out there, Spencer, who remembers that song. My fondest memory was when I met Carl Malone when I was eight years old uh, when he did his fan appreciation event at the Delta Center. There were a lot of people there, but I was really hoping that we could actually meet him. We caught wind that he was down by the locker room, so my mom and my older siblings and I rushed down there. We found him, but he was faced the other way and was talking to a giant group of people. I'll never forget. He turned around the crowd, looked me in the eye, put his hand on my head, don't worry, I've washed my hair since. And I think he liked my jazz shirt while I was wearing. My mom asked a lady to take a picture for us, uh, but the lady cut the top of his head off. <laughs> Crappy photo aside, it was an amazing experience I've always remembered. Uh, my interest in the team fluctuated, but I remember falling in love with Paul Millsap and Ronnie Price and some other big moments. I returned from my LDS mission in, from Philadelphia in 2011, happy to come back and see how important Paul had become to the team. He and Jeremy Evans got me heavily interested in the team again, and now I've fallen in love again uh, along the way. All right, so there it is. He uh, then went on to a big thing for me that, Spencer, I don't have time to get into, uh, which is about uh, you know losing games that we should have won. Hopefully we've solved that uh, with our level of uh, increased experience this year. All right, let's uh, get to the big story of the day. For us in Utah, and I'm going to stay with it, it's the continual rankings that keep coming out by the CBS sports staff uh, that are just crazy optimistic. I, I've said this numerous times. I, I'm very torn right now on, on what, I want to, what I want to feel about the Jazz because there, there's two parts of it. One is it seems illogical to me to jump them up as far as so many teams have uh, – when, in fact, we have never won a basketball game yet. That's, I mean, that's kind of the one thing that makes me hesitant on this. But then, when you get these groups, and the CBS sports staff is really good, that goes and ranks all of the starters, and the Jazz come out fifth, and I honestly said I thought they could have been sixth, and then you suddenly look and they rank the benches, and the Jazz come out number one. The Dante Axum, Alec Burks, Joe Johnson, Trey Lyles, Boris Diaw, and I think Jeff Withy should be included in that, uh, comes out number one. And then your third string point guard if is either Shelvin Mack or Howell Neto. It's probably the best third screen point guard. And Joe Ingles is pretty good. I mean, that's what gets crazy here. Uh, the idea that the Jazz could have the best bench in the NBA. Uh, obviously, a lot of this depends on Dante uh, and whether or not he's able to do that correctly. Um, I think the other one it depends on is Alec Burks has got to make players around him better when he's playing. Alec himself is terrific. That's the next step in his development is playing uh, with other people that make him better as well. The Warriors were two. Celtics bench is three. It's not as strong as I remember. I, You know, the Celtics had just such great depth, but Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jonas Jarebko, Tyler Zeller, and Kelly Olenek. I really like Olenek, and Marcus Smart gets better. Toronto's is four. With Corey Joseph, Norman Powell, Terrence Ross, Jared Sollinger, and Luis uh, Noriega, uh, Lucas Noriega. 
Patty Spurs is five. Dwayne Dedman is their backup center now without Boban. That's the weakness there. Cavaliers is sixth. Uh, without Delvadova, they're relying on Matt, Mo Williams and Channing and uh, Mike Dunleavy now. Portland, they went Shabazz Napier over Trey Burke. I actually think that's a mistake. I would probably rather have Trey Burke than Shabazz Napier. Uh, otherwise, they're they're pretty darn good. I actually think they should be ranked higher than seventh. Eighth is Chicago. Uh, where I can't tell if their bench or their starters are better. Uh, during Grant, Tony Snell, Doug McDermott, Taj Gibson, and Bobby Portis. So they moved Miritich into the starting lineup rather than Gibson in that. Uh, McDermott showed some signs last year. Bobby Portis showed some signs last year. Nine is the Knicks. It's so funny. In every ranking everywhere, Chicago and New York are just right next to each other. I can't wait till the numbers come out for... Uh, Pelton stuff, which takes away some of the emotion and feeling. Uh, New Orleans 11 with Galloway, Etwan Moore, Quincy Pondexter, Dante Cunningham, Alexis and Jensen, Terrence Jones, and Buddy Heald. If, if, if New Orleans is 10, I think it's a sign of how much lack of benches there are in the league. Uh, so we'll, we'll, you know, keep following this. And there aren't any, the only thing I thought was also worth noting on this is there's some teams that people think are supposed to be pretty good that have terrible benches. And I think we learned last year that if you're good, your starters are good, but your bench isn't giving you stuff, it's awfully hard for you to get where you need to. So the Hornets came in at 28th with Ramon Sessions, Marco Bellinelli, Jeremy Lamb, Frank Kaminsky, and Cody Zeller. I feel like that's harsh. Um, but Sessions, Bellinelli had a bad year. We'll see what happens. I don't love Kaminsky. Milwaukee, everybody thinks going to be good, really has no bench. Michael Carter-Williams, Rashard Vaughn, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Toledovich, and Miles Plumley. So that will hurt them. Uh, Orlando, for all their depth, is did not get rated very well, which is surprising. And Memphis, to me, jumped out. Memphis has got... Zach Randolph at 34 years old and Tony Allen at 34 years old or whatever they are, maybe older. But they're like on the late side of age. It doesn't matter what the year is. And the bench for Memphis is Wade Baldwin, who I liked, Troy Daniels, Vince Carter, Jamichael Green, who had a decent year, and Brandon Wright, who I like, but he didn't stay healthy last year. Uh, I think that's a hard one for them uh, and how they're going to be able to handle that with uh, some of their injuries. And the other one was Dallas. It's pretty good. Devin Harris and J.J. Barea add to the ability of Carlisle. Justin Anderson, Dwight Powell, okay, and Quincy Acey. But that's a team that has Andrew Bogut and Darren Williams, two of the most oft-injured players in the league. So um, we'll see. Uh, the other one from just reading the article uh, was the Washington, which has Trey Burke, interestingly. One writer had him as the third worst in the NBA. The others had him all top 17. So that's interesting. Trey Burke and Marcus Thornton are that bench backcourt. But way to go, Jazz. What a, what a roster building done by uh, Dennis Lindsay. By the way, Utah Jazz season tickets are on sale now uh, for next season. $6 per game upper bowl. Lower bowl start at $42 uh, per game. And if you buy season tickets, you get an eight-day, seven-night stay in 
Mexico. You get the best seat location in your area. You have access to exclusive events and obviously playoff tickets. Partial tickets and half-season tickets are also available. Call 355-DUNK for more details. That's 355-DUNK for more details. If you're looking for a place to advertise for your company and you're looking for men and men between the ages of 18 to 44, this is the spot for you. 98% of our audience is male. Last check, 86% of our audience is between the ages of 18 and 44. If that's who you're looking for, please give me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com. Spots are actually going pretty darn quickly, so uh, particularly people are buying ahead to get into the regular season and the preseason. So feel free to email me, dlock09 at gmail.com. We think the prices are relatively reasonable. We'll see whether you agree. dlock09 at gmail.com. Jazz preseason schedule came out yesterday. Uh, I think it's really interesting. One is instead of playing eight games, we're playing six. So that's, you know, I guess there's just a feeling why, what's the value of those other two games? Um, and also, it's interesting because um, the the other one is we're playing in all NBA arenas, which I like. I hate it when we go to play. Well, so I have mixed emotions on this, actually. Um, I love it when we play. Like, part of me thinks that we should play all of our preseason games in St. George and Logan and Boise and give, stretch out our fan base experience. We'd lose a bunch of money if we did that. Um, but I got to admit, every single time in the beginning of the season, we walk into those buildings with our, um, you know, multi-hundred million dollar assets of players, and there's just, it's not as, it's not an NBA arena. NBA arenas are just done better and differently and everything else, and it makes me nervous every single time we do that. So uh, I, I kind of have mixed opinions on that. Um, on one level, I, I think it would just be the coolest thing ever, uh, and when we've gone to those settings, it's the it is the coolest thing ever. But then on the flip side of that, uh, the uh, it, it's you know it's risky. The, so first is eight down to three or eight down to six. I thought was interesting. Second thing is we play our three road games early. Like we start training camp usually on the. Monday is media day and Tuesday is where training camp starts. That's kind of always how we've done it. I don't know how this year is going to work. And then we would play Monday. So they'd have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, fly. So a little five-day training camp, probably a day off in there somewhere, a few two-a-days. Go play Portland on Monday. Head Travel to Phoenix and play Phoenix on Tuesday um, and Wednesday – or play Wednesday. Come back home, I assume – Get a probably Thursday off, Friday, Saturday, practice, Sunday, fly to L.A., and then that's done. Then we're home October 11th, and the regular season should open sometime. I don't have the calendar in front of me. but So we would be home October 11th, I think is what I just said, with our next, our regular season should probably start somewhere around the, the week of the 24th, so either the 25th, 26th, 27th, I would guess. I would guess 26th, 27th is the opening of the NBA season, Wednesday, Thursday, with a Friday, that big weekend is usually how they do it. Um, so anyway, I would, you know, so we play that game on the, and, and then we're kind of free, uh, which is interesting. It gets you either to let the guys get settled and relaxed and find a home. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I thought, it's it's to me, and this is not anything different. I mean, Jerry and Kevin and those guys, but Dennis and Quinn 
really have an idea of how to deal with these things, and they have an idea of exactly what they want. I think Richard Smith is largely involved in this as well. Uh, so it's it's very uh, it's just another sign to me that they know exactly uh, what they're doing and where they're doing. It. All right, a uh, little note on my our, our new player Boris Diaw. Uh, this was done by All365, which is a great site. I pay for it, so I sh- don't need to plug them, but I do I do want to do that. Uh, Boris Diaw um, will be playing for France in Rio, by the way. So Diaw's largely uh, offense, I think I think of him so much as a post, uh, excuse me, a three-point shooting, ball distributing, playing kind of a slow, methodical uh, dribble game, uh, things like that, uh, but he points out that 39% of his offensive plays came in the post. Uh, the second highest to Marcus, Marcus Sol. Marcus Sol was the highest. That's also a 58% increase in the previous season. So it was unique maybe to how San Antonio was structured last year, but it also might be unique to where Boris's skills are going at his age. His post efficiency was the third best in the NBA behind Durant and West. He made 63% from shots in the post. So if you have a if you have him on the floor with Trey Lyles and three of our other wings who can all shoot and you go put Boris in the post and you don't double, he's crafty enough he's beating people, which gets interesting. His average shot distance, by the way, last year was 8.7 feet, which is three feet closer than the previous season and his closest in 10 years. Remember this about Boris Diaw. He came into the league as a point guard out of Atlanta. I was talking to, uh, I think it was... I think it was Laird of uh, uh, Simply Smarter, uh, great company out of Ogden. I think you'll hear more about him on the show the other day at a golf tournament for the Bear. And he uh, was telling me about how he as a, did this draft express work early, and Boris Diaz was his guy. So now 15 years later, he gets to have him. Uh, the Spurs scored points on 10% of Diaz's passes this last year. And that's 10% higher than the season before. Now, that could just be 9 to 10, by the way, is 10% higher, frankly. Uh, but that also shows you kind of that he's in the post really conducting. Uh, Diaw had uh, 206 touches in the post last year, which is about three a game. And among players with at least 200 post touches, his assist percentage was the fourth best. The only players better, Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, and Al Horford. Really interesting stuff. So great work there on what Diaw brings. Um, kind of exciting, frankly, uh, to hear that. You know, you got a bench guy who really has some things. He does at an elite level. Awesome stuff. So uh, great work there. Uh, All ball 365. Uh, the big news of the day, and uh, as I said, I'd expect uh, Fred Katz uh, at Locked on Thunder to get into this, is the signing of Russell Westbrook. First off, I just think you got to tip your hat to the Thunder. I know, like my insides quiver when I do it. But you really just have to tip your hat to them. Uh, to have Westbrook sign this extension, what they were able to do is they truly were able to communicate to, to Westbrook everything positively. Um, the, and what they're, the, the only risk, Westbrook makes more money on this deal. He's in the market to make more money. The only risk here is he actually becomes more tradable. And so when you, that allows, for the th- this allows the Thunder to actually get right now. The Thunder can't trade him. He, if he announced he was leaving, the Thunder would have no chance. They can't trade him. So what they were able to do is get to Westbrook and say, "Hey, let's give this a shot. Let's see what we can build around. Let it be your team. This is your town now. The fans are going to love you for more than ever before. Let's see what we can do." And it makes them a, a viable playoff team. I don't know if it makes them a championship team, but frankly, you know, 
when we talk about the Jazz as the fourth best team in the West, uh, I think the Thunder have a pretty good claim to that. They've been through a lot more as a group, even if it's not with Durant. Um, though on the other end, they also have been, um, you know, they've also been, they didn't make the playoffs the year Durant got hurt. So, uh, I think that you end up with a fairly, uh, you know, mixed bag there is how you want to look at it. Uh, but I, I, I just got tip my hat that they, the Thunder gain one Westbrook. Two, there's no question he's a max player. And three, they frankly now have an asset they can trade if they want to. There, we may find out there's a no trade clause or that there has to be an agreement to trade. Uh, there's a lot of little stuff, um, in there that we're going to find out in the next day or two. But that was what the only thing they probably had to try to talk Westbrook in, um, is, is that, hey, we won't trade you somewhere along the way. Uh, final thing uh, I, I meant to mention earlier in the program, and I should have, is I saw Gordon Hayward the other day at the really wonderful event in South Salt Lake City where the Jazz uh, put in their 13th new court. Uh, Gordon was in great mood. He's had a great summer here. Uh, he was particularly fired up about his tennis. Uh, I, I don't know if you're following this, but so Gordon went to a celebrity event for uh, type 1 diabetes and was in the celebrity tennis tournament. When he got there, he found out that they actually had a regular tennis tournament. And so Gordon has just entered the tennis tournament. Uh, first time he's really played in three or four years, or excuse me, in like 13 or 14 years. He has, he's hit the ball like three or four times, he said, since he stopped playing. And he went out and played in the tournament. He won his first match, and I believe I, I've heard that he won last night as well. Uh, his round two match that he won, says Haley said on on Twitter, um, the, he had a good crowd. He had Dante there and Alec Burks there uh, rooting him on. Uh, could you imagine if you entered into one of these tournaments and all of a sudden your opponent is uh, Gordon Hayward? It's hysterical. It would be absolutely incredible. So G has advanced to the third round of this tournament. I, I don't know a lot about it. It's a, it's a tournament uh, for uh, diabetes, stage one diabetes, uh, fundraising and research, uh, and he's loving it. I talked to him about it for, uh, the other day. He said, uh, "I said, where are you on your competitiveness compared to your game?" He's like, "My competitiveness is like a hundred times past where my game is. Uh, I'm rusty. I'm not quite sure how to do things. I don't have quite the the level I once did." Uh, but he's battling still and uh, loving the competition. It's probably great cross training. And so Gordon is out there playing a tennis tournament. I just think it's an hysterical story um, for the off season, and uh, tells you a little bit about Gordon's, you know, desire for competition at all times, and then his athletic ability uh, to be able to bring this back. So, uh, really, really cool story uh, along the way. All right, that is the word today. By the way, I think I tweeted this out, but Andy Bailey has some really good stuff at uh, uh, today's fast break. Uh, dot com, which is part of the FanRag Sports. Check that out as well. This has been an edition of Locked On Jazz. I'll be back with you on Tuesday of next week, and I've got an interview with Ron Boone scheduled uh, for Thursday of next week. We'll probably go back in the history of the Jazz on Tuesday with Kirk Cragthorpe as well, and then I'll try to get you some interviews uh, for the rest of August and September. I'm actually going to uh, hopefully take a little break here, go actually on vacation uh, and, and do that. So that's the plan here. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show today. Have a good one.